Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, week seven is in the books. It was something. Uh, don't know if you're ready to recap or not, but uh, how are you doing? You hanging out? You hanging in there? I am hanging in there. Uh, got back from Boston. Spent the weekend with some family up there. Uh, good, saw good. A, couple of professional, a couple of professional sporting events. Went to the Pats game Thursday night, so bear with me on that Syracuse NC State recap. Um, <laughs> saw the Bruins play on Saturday night, but... Saw a good bit of the ACC games. Uh, obviously, rewatched some of them as well, just from not seeing them live. So, we'll see how this goes, Joey. I got a lot of takes on what happened and what transpired this weekend in the ACC, and none of it is very good for the conference, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I was in a similar situation. I, I was in town, you know, at home basically, but had a bunch of family in town for an event and all that. So there was there was a decent amount of college football that was being watched. How much of it was specifically ACC football was kind of varied at times, but did get kind of caught up on some of these games as possible, and it was not always the prettiest of sights. So we're going to recap these games. Uh, and we're going to kind of talk about kind of what some of them mean for the bigger picture of the conference in general. But to start off, Mike, as always, uh, week seven, six games, all conference games, actually uh, five conference games and one that was not. But what's the biggest thing that you learned about the ACC in week seven? Nobody wants to. W- nobody wants to win the Coastal, Joey. Mm-mm. Some just want to lose it less than others. No, That's what not. I found out. Oh yeah, it's really really bad. Um, Everybody's talking about how bad the ACC is. Believe the hype. The ACC is an atrocious conference this year, Joey. It is really, 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 really bad. Really bad. Really, really bad. Outside of Clemson, uh, who's the second best team? Is it Wake Forest, the team that has maybe one of the worst defenses in the country? They are a Big 12 team, as you have alluded to multiple times on this podcast. Wake Forest, by the way, scored 59 points in a loss this weekend. Put it that way. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, They had almost 700 yards of offense and lost. That is maybe your second best team in the ACC, and that is saying something. Louisville also might be one of the better teams in the ACC, and they are in a year zero situation under Scott Satterfield. So that is where we are at. Oh, and Joey, by the way, the three teams I just mentioned, Clemson, Louisville, Wake Forest, all on one side of the the conference in the same division. Mm -hmm. Um, Then there's the Coastal, which has... Miami, low-key trash. Virginia might be trash. Lost Virginia to Tech, Miami. Yes, lost to Miami. Virginia Tech, definitely trash. Beat Miami, uh, but should probably lose to UVA. Uh, North Carolina, find, I guess they're good. I don't know. Um, <laughs> who else? Duke, probably trash. Uh, Georgia Tech, definitely trash. Like Decided to trash, yes. Yes. And then there's just like Pittsburgh lingering. So <laughs> that's the coastal. And this conference is a total mess. 
Yep, I don't know how we found ourselves found ourselves here, Mike, but um, it's not been the brightest of situations in the ACC this year. I this is something that we've kind of talked about. It's kind of been an ongoing theme. Is again, the first year that we did this podcast, 2016, it was arguably the best conference in the country, and pretty quickly here, it's become the ACC of 10 years ago that kind of was a bit of a laughing stock, and and I. I don't like acknowledging that. I don't like thinking about that. It's it's not uplifting to me. I'm sure it's not uplifting to you. I mean, we're both ACC guys through and through. But at some point, you're going to have to look at these teams and realize that, like, it's one thing to look at them and see they all beat each other up. It's another thing to look at them and realize none of them can beat other teams out of conference. And thinking, you know, what, where does that, what does that tell us about the, uh, you know, the quote-unquote hierarchy nationally? And it's not, yep. it's not a good look. Yeah, and Joey, I actually took the liberty to go back and listen to some of our first podcasts recently. Mm-hmm. And uh, first of all, excuse if you go back and do that same thing yourselves as a listener, excuse the audio quality, sorry. Um, but if you get past that and listen to some of the content we put out there, on the very first podcast, we were talking about why we were calling this podcast Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast, talking about how the ACC has traditionally been a basketball conference. I said in that very first episode, Joey, about three years ago now, a um, little over three years ago now, that we play a little bit of college football in this conference too. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to rethink that statement now <laughs> in October of 2019. It is not good outside of Clemson. Yeah, there's, I don't know, there's some phrase out there I think about something about monkeys and footballs or something like that, that that's going on here, but I don't think it's playing college football necessarily. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's up in the air sometimes. I... Mike, the biggest thing I learned about the conference this weekend, and, and this is, a, again, a, another podcast that we reference from time to time on this show that I got to call out again, it's the Solid Verbal. Uh, one of the things that they like to go back to is kind of a meme in college football is, is the backup better than the starter? And Mike, I got to tell you, in the ACC, it's starting to be pretty clear that there are a lot of backup quarterbacks that are better than the starters. Uh, so we're going to go hit, through this, this lineup. I was going to say, hit me with the list. Uh, Bailey Hockman, NC State. He's better than Matthew McKay. They beat Syracuse this weekend. Uh, Nikosi Perry. He's better than Jaron Williams. They beat Sir- uh, Virginia on Friday. Timeout. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, turns out that Manny Diaz might be considering turning back to Jaron Williams. Well, so... Hold on to that one for the preview. Continue. I hope Manny Diaz is going to confession this Sunday. So, um, in any case, uh, James Graham, better than Tobias Oliver, better than Lucas Johnson for Georgia Tech at the very least. Uh, Evan Conley, he's the guy that led Louisville to win. He's better than Malik Cunningham and, and or excuse me, Mikhail Cunningham and Jawan Pass. Uh, Sam Hartman comes in for Wake Forest. He looks better than Jamie Newman did. Uh it seems like uh, our, our boy Alex Hornibrook is probably better in some degree, you know, to some degree, than James Blackman is for State. Like, Hennon Hooker is undefeated for Virginia Tech now, as opposed to Ryan Willis. Like, maybe the whole the whole goal the whole time should just been to get to the second and third string quarterbacks in this conference because it seems like these offenses go better when when those guys are in than when the starters go in. Explain that to me, Mike. I don't get that. Every single one of the coaches in the conference sucks at picking quarterbacks. If you're looking for a counter argument, I don't have one. I don't, okay, I got there, there it is. We're done here. Yeah, I think, I think we covered it here. So yeah, uh, clearly a, a good old-fashioned demolition derby in the uh, ACC this weekend. Uh, let's start it off, Mike. A game we referenced just a minute ago, Friday night. Uh, the Miami Hurricanes 17, Cam's Miami Hurricanes 17, 
The number 20, Virginia Cavaliers, 9. And I, Called it. I have a – you did. You, you are correct, and I'll be damned, Mike, if you are not just on a heater that I cannot explain with these picks. Uh, you were 4-1 and one this week, and I was 1-4, and four, so I, here I am wearing the dunce cap over here. But regarding this game, um, the biggest takeaway that I have, if I'm just being real honest, and I'm, I, this is not with any bias towards either team in my, in my mind or in my heart, I don't believe that Miami won this game. I believe that Virginia lost this game. Virginia deserved to lose this game. There were some pretty horrific coaching decisions that happened in here in terms of how they handled scoring opportunities, getting into the red zone. Virginia played not to lose in in the most pure fashion that you can do so, and as it normally would tend to, it cost them. It did. Uh, they were bad in the red zone, which has been an issue, but they haven't played defenses quite as good as Miami so far, right? Like, but part of it, it's it's not just it's not just poor execution in the red zone. It's also poor play calling, poor decision making by the coaching staff in the red zone. I would agree, but the underlying issue with Virginia right now, and and the issue that has continued to rear its head all year long, and I continue to mention this because it's a big deal for Virginia the rest of the way with the teams they have to play. Joey Virginia can't run the football. Mm-mm. They really can't run the football. Um, they are looking like a worse rushing team now than Virginia Tech, which. Joey, you know, Virginia Tech can't run the ball. And that's not that hot of a take anymore because Virginia Tech's found the running game. We'll get into that in a second. But um, let's talk about, okay, well, let's talk about Virginia real quick. Uh, 31 carries, 74 yards. Seems bad. Real bad. Um, Bryce Perkins. Now, granted, some of this is sack adjusted. I always preface it with this, but 17, 27 yards only to rival Wayne Tolapapa's eight K for 27 yards. So Talapapa a little bit more efficient there with three point yards per rush only carried the ball eight times. Uh, Bryce Perkins did not turn the ball over through the air, had 252 yards passing. Uh, Nicosi Perry from Miami was the one touchdown pass. that ended up really being the decisive one in this football game. Uh, but this overall was really ugly for Virginia. Obviously, the red zone offense at the heart of it all, or, or lack thereof with the red zone offense, it really, really wasn't good. And look, Miami wasn't all that impressive offensively in this game. I thought their defense probably played the best game that they've played in a while, um, being able to bend but not break. And, you know, we talked about the Virginia play calling not being very good, and that's, I'm 100% behind that. And, Virginia not being able to run the ball has been a major issue, but a little bit of credit should go to Miami as well for a defense that has struggled of late uh, for them to make the stops that they were able to make in this football game, coming off of a tough outing against Virginia Tech to come back here against Virginia at home and put up a really good fight defensively against the Cavaliers team that look offensively this year has been pretty good. I mean, they've had issues running the football, but Bryce Perkins has been able to, you know, put the ball in the air and, and move Virginia offensively relatively efficiently and they really couldn't get anything going in this game against Miami it seemed like they were okay between the 20s and then they got into the red zone got totally bogged down and play calling was at the heart of it but a little bit of credit goes to Miami defense as well and they made just enough plays to win this football game it was ugly it was a slugfest and Miami defensively the bend but not break nature ended up winning them this football game yeah for better or worse um 
this was, I'm not going to lie, Mike, this was a pretty hard game to watch. Um, it was just, okay, so put it this way. Miami starts the game with a touchdown drive. 11 plays, 78 yards, 6 minutes. I mean, they were, they came out of the gate firing, and they, I mean, they scored. It was efficient. It was really well executed. From there, we go, from these two teams combined, drive chart, the rest of the first half. Three and out, three and out, turnover on downs, punt, missed field goal, three and out, three and out, three and out, end of half with a field goal. Love Thunder. Uh, yeah, it was working. It was 7-3 at the half. From there, there's four, you know, four drives coming out of the, at a halftime, three punts and a fumble. And, and here's the thing that really just kills me, Mike, is that, my, that Virginia gets the ball on their own 32-yard line. They work their way all the way down the field. They've got first and goal at the four-yard line of Miami. Uh, they get a false start. Bryce Perkins runs for two yards. Wayne Tulapapa runs for six yards, meaning now they've got third and goal from the one-yard line. Bryce Perkins tries, like, rolling out, and instead of throwing the ball away, he gets sacked for a loss of three, and then Virginia kicks a field goal. Like, are you kidding me? Like, this is what we... Oh, yeah. And so that pulls the game within seven to six, I guess, and then Miami goes down and kicks a field goal of their own. It's back to a four-point game. Joe Reed runs the kickoff back 72 yards to the Miami 27. You've got the ball off a kickoff in field goal range. They go incomplete pass, incomplete pass. 10-yard run for a first down. Wayne to pop it for no yards. Incomplete pass. Bryce Perkins sacked. 44-yard field goal. Oh, yeah. Like, this is what Virginia's offense has to offer at this point. And, and it's – I don't know. It's, it's like – I guess they can execute against equal to lesser talent, but if they go up against any group that's, like, more talented than them, it's just not working. And it, you saw that, especially with the run game against Notre Dame, it just completely stalled out the whole game. Like, it just doesn't work. And so it's up to Bryce Perkins and some combination of Joe Reed and Ashish Dubois and a couple of those guys to figure something out. But I don't know. It's not, not a lot of consistency, and it, it doesn't seem like it's the type of offense that – Bronco is really going for with that team. I mean, he needs a running game. I mean, he had one at BYU, hasn't really had one at Virginia. That's what I'm saying, granted, yeah. He's, granted, he's had better quarterback play at Virginia than he did, arguably, in his entire time at BYU. I mean, he had some some decent quarterbacks in there, but Bryce Perkins is certainly the most gifted athlete he's ever had at quarterback. So it seems like they're leaning on him to run the football a little bit more, which I understand because of what kind of athlete he is and how he's able to make guys miss. But the problem all along with Virginia, and I mentioned this in the season preview, I thought Virginia would be very good this year, but I think I thought their ceiling would be predicated on whether or not they could get enough plays out of guys not named Bryce Perkins. So far this year, outside of Joe Reed, Virginia really hasn't gotten a ton done offensively, right? Like there's Joe Reed, there's Bryce Perkins, uh, Hasis Du Bois made you know, a couple of decent plays in the passing game as well, but they really haven't had much out of the running game. Like they Mm -hmm. really haven't had anything going in that department outside of Bryce Perkins. And Virginia's ceiling is inherently limited when, you know, you have a team that's able to spy Bryce Perkins with, you know, a defender, a defensive back, a linebacker, whoever it ends up being, who's able to keep up with him athletically. Notre Dame had that. Miami had that. Louisville might have that coming up here in a few weeks. Like there, there are, you know, games here that Virginia is going to have to play down the stretch. Uh, Virginia Tech might even have it on their struggling defense, believe it or not, with 
you know, how they match up athletically. There are teams that are playing down the stretch here, Joey, that they can't necessarily rely on Bryce Perkins a thousand percent of the time to get the job done offensively. So what does that look like over the course of the entire game? Does it look more like this Notre Dame game that they just played a couple weeks back? Does it look like, you know, this game we just watched on Friday night against Miami where they're just struggling to score? You know, you get inside the red zone. All of a sudden you don't have all those, you know, different plays that Bryce Perkins can run at your disposal anymore in that shortened field. Like what does this offense look like if you can't get much out of the running game? or the passing game, it's really going to be an interesting scenario here down the stretch. I think Virginia will be fine. I think they're very good. They are one of the favorites to still win the Coastal, certainly, but this is a bad division. This is a really bad loss for Virginia on the road. This is a game they should have won. We talked about that in the preview, how you know Miami's got the top-end talent, but they didn't have the depth, right? And Virginia is a team that's better coached overall, but then you know, we go and watch this game and Virginia didn't look like the better coach team, uh, mm-hmm. especially in the red zone and, and the play calling that you mentioned. It just it really didn't look good. They didn't look as prepared as I expected them to. And this is just a really rough loss for Virginia, because now you see some of the flaws that they've exposed in this game against Miami and the game against Notre Dame. And you're wondering if these flaws are going to continue to show themselves throughout the, the rest of the year. And if so, what does the coastal race look like moving forward? I mean, that's the biggest takeaway for me. If Virginia continues to struggle like this offensively, especially inside the 20-yard line, this could be a very interesting division race down the stretch with a couple of pretty mediocre teams. A handful of pretty mediocre teams could jump up and win this division. Damn it, Virginia. Get it together and fulfill your destiny as the seventh team in the Coastal to win the division in seven years. Let's go. Come on. If Uh, you don't, I mean, I won't hate it. (laughs) I'm guessing you wouldn't. Uh, I would not. I have two more things on this. One is to kind of follow up from your your continued discussion of the Virginia game or Virginia offense. Um, We we talked a lot about and a lot about last year and kind of into the offseason a little bit how last year Virginia's offense was so unbelievably focused on like four, maybe five players. And one of those guys was Jordan Ellis, who's now gone and seems to be a complete, have left a complete void in his wake, right? Like, we've talked about how Wayne Tulapapa is now the guy in the backfield for Virginia, not named Bryce Perkins. So far this year, 57 carries for 210, five touchdowns, but he's averaging not even three and a, three and three quarter yards per carry. Like, that's not going to work for a bell cow back. Like, Bryce Perkins leads the team in attempts. He's only got 191 yards when you take out sack yardage and all that. Like, Bryce, Bryce Perkins is the lone rushing threat on this team. That's just not going to work. They have not found anybody to replace Jordan Ellis. They, I mean, it's not P.K. Keir. It's not Wayne Tulapapa. It's not any of these guys, right? And so that's, I think that is pretty clearly the biggest threat to Virginia's offense right now is just not having a running back that is able to take some of that load off of Bryce Perkins. The other thing I wanted to bring up here is, and we've talked almost entirely about Virginia in this recap, is with Miami. Miami, this is a really good defensive performance. Obviously, they they shored up in the red zone a lot. They had a couple of goal line stands. I mean, they looked really good on on defense. Offensively, still a problem for Miami. Um, Again, they scored a touchdown on their opening drive. They scored a touchdown on the last time they had the ball. In between them, they had the ball like nine times and scored three points. Um... Miami wins this game with 14 first downs. They go 2 for 10 on third down. They have 265 total yards of offense. Um, they, I mean, they, this was not a game by a lot of stretches that Miami should have won. Um, and, and, and yet they squeaked out 17 points, and the defense was good enough that 
you know, that, that was good enough. So I, there is still a lot of work to be done for Miami. There is some chatter right now of are we going to stick with Nikosi Perry or actually Jerry Williams might be healthy. Maybe we go back to him next week. I don't know what the right answer is here. It, it kind of seems like maybe stick with Nikosi Perry, but then again, I don't, you know, I don't know. Is this really that much better than what you were getting? I don't know. All that. Uh, Mike, there's one more thing that we really haven't mentioned here that is a really, really important thing to bring up as it relates to Virginia moving forward. Yeah, Bryce Hall broke his ankle, Joey. Um, that ain't good. He's having surgery. Very, yeah, not good. Uh, Bryce Hall, of course, very talented UVA defensive back. Could have easily gone to the pros after last season. Ends up coming back for his senior year and now breaks his ankle. So that's pretty devastating news for Virginia and really for Bryce Hall, a, a kid who's, you know, number one, he's an outstanding football player. Number two, he's a guy who could have easily gone to the draft, comes back, and now you have to wonder what this is going to do to his draft stock. Um, he is going to undergo ankle surgery um, from what Bronco Mendenhall mentioned in his press conference this week. So uh, he'll be out for the year. So thoughts and prayers to him. Hopefully he makes a full recovery and he's able to fulfill his dreams of playing in the NFL. And I mean, he will. I mean, he'll get an opportunity. I just hope it didn't cost him a bunch of money. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, anyway, Bryce Hall, his career is over at Virginia. It's a bummer because he's an all ACC player and he's just very fun to watch. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a big development coming out of this game for a Virginia defense that overall has been pretty good this year. Yeah, absolutely tragic for him. Um, a guy who was getting like early, early round grades, you know, by the NFL draft committee last year, who decided to come back for his senior year to Virginia and now breaks his ankle. He's done for the year. Who knows how long the recovery is going to be and, and how it's going to affect his draft stock. So. Really unfortunate for him from that regard. I mean, it's great that he's going to be able to get his degree. Again, Virginia's a great school, and, and that degree is a great fallback if if the rest of football doesn't really work out for him. But, um, you know, really a guy – I mean, he's a two-star recruit, Mike, and he's, he's grown himself up into, you know, damn near first-round level draft pick. So really unfortunate injury for him, but really wish the best for him and his recovery and uh, moving forward into the NFL. If he doesn't play in the NFL, he'll be a hell of an accountant someday or something. <laughs> I'm guessing that's a Virginia Tech joke, but you know, I don't, I don't know. That'll work. Either way, whatever. Miami 17, Virginia nine. Uh, let's move on, Mike. Louisville 62, Wake Forest 59. Uh, let's put Dear this, God. Let's put it this way, Mike. I'm, I'm not a smoker. I about needed a cigarette after this game. Like. My goodness gracious, this game was a total, total track meet. Um, my pick of the week, by the way, was this game to go over 65 points. We hit that, like, the first or second possession of the third quarter. Like, both teams almost... by themselves. Yeah, say so both both teams almost hit it by themselves. This is like one possession away from either team hitting it by themselves. Um, Wake Forest, as we re- referenced earlier finds a way to rack up 668 total yards in this game, uh, 423 through the air, 245 on the ground. They held the ball for close to 28 minutes, all this stuff, and they lost. Uh, Louisville really capitalized on a couple of huge special teams plays, a couple of huge, you know, just short field situations. Um, Really, again, took advantage of some situations. I think it was really the big story here. But once again... Neither of these defenses particularly good. Both of these offenses particularly good. 
and ripped off big play after big play the whole night. This was a, an absolute fireworks show and, and a, a really wild one. Louisville now winners of two complete shootouts in a row. This one far more of a shootout than even the previous one was. Yeah, Joe, I'm seeing this weird narrative circulating on social media, which is always a dangerous game. But there's this weird narrative out there that, you know, Louisville was a team last year that was just not talented at all and, like, one of the worst rosters in ACC history. Like, I saw that float around, which couldn't be more of a false statement. I mean, they were a very bad team last year. They didn't play well for Bobby Petrino. Petrino and his staff quit on the players. The players quit on them. All that was apparent. And they did not play well as a team last year. They were very bad overall. But this roster, it's not like the cupboard was bare. Mm -hmm. Now, with all that being said, right, with all that being said, Louisville was returning talent. It was a new coaching staff. You know, we thought that you and I both thought that they probably would not make a bowl game this year, but we thought that they would at least be a little bit more competitive. You know, our theory was true in that initial game against Notre Dame off the bat where, you know, Louisville looked pretty good on offense and hung with Notre Dame for a little bit in the first half. And we were like, all right, yeah, this team's going to fight hard. They're going to play hard. You know, they'll be okay. Um, I don't think either one of us saw this offensive output coming from Louisville this year. Like they've steadily gotten better and better and better week over week. Um they're now four and two. They beat a Wake Forest team who was a top 20 team coming into this game. Wake Forest offensively, borderline elite. Defensively, really, really bad. Like atrociously bad. Like bottom 20 in the country bad. Like we know Wake Forest has a terrible defense. Um, this isn't like the Wake Forest defense of old under Mike Elko. We're so far removed from that. It's unbelievable. Wake Forest offense, on the other hand, looks like a Big 12 offense. They're scoring a lot of points. They're slinging the ball around. They're running the ball well. But defensively, it's a struggle. Um, Wake Forest to have almost 700 yards in this game and lose is something. Uh, We have a go ACC moment that we'll get into a little bit later that I don't want to dive into at the moment. But, you know, we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, That kind of epitomizes what kind of game this was for Wake Forest defensively. Uh, Jamie Newman, 24, 41, 251, three touchdowns, two picks, left the game with a shoulder injury. Is the backup better than the starter? Well, he was a starter last year, right? And we were asking the same question when Jamie Newman took over for Sam Hartman uh, towards the back end of last year. Sam Hartman enters the game as the backup. In this case, 9 of 15, 172, two touchdowns. Uh, Sam Hartman also had a rushing touchdown in this game as well, so... He looked pretty good there. Uh, Christian Beale Smith comes out of absolute nowhere, has 14 carries for 123 yards. Usually we're hearing Cade Carney's name in the running game for Wake Forest, but this time it was Christian Beale Smith. On the other side, Louisville, it's been... Hang on real quick. Hang on, hang on. One more guy. Sage Surratt. Oh, yeah. 12 catches, 196, and three scores. Total dude. Holy smokes. Yeah, yeah. He was really good. Kendall Hinton, uh... Formerly a quarterback, 13 13 catches, 134 in this game. So he averaged over 10 yards a catch. Mm -hmm. Uh, Scotty Washington, a guy who we don't talk about very much, had two catches for 28 yards and a touchdown. So, you know, do what you got to do, buddy. Oh, man. And then there's Louisville, who, I mean, you talked about Evan Connolly being a backup. And Evan Connolly comes in 12 of 18, 196, two touchdowns. Uh, came in from Mikhail Cunningham, who was 5 of 6 for 99 yards and two touchdowns. Conley had a touchdown on the ground. He had almost, he had over 11 yards of carry. 
Holy crap, Des Fitzpatrick, five catches, 125, two touchdowns, 2-2 Atwell, 7 for 85 and a touchdown. Seth Dawkins, three for 68 and a touchdown. Like, I hope you loved offense. Um, It was ridiculous. There were 45 points in the fourth quarter alone. So you almost hit the over just in the fourth quarter, Joey. (laughs) This was an outrageous offensive output by two teams that – might be two of the better teams in the ACC, which is saying a lot. Like, who is this God's conference, the Big 12? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> uh, we're in a really, really, really weird spot in the ACC when these are two of the better teams in the conference right now. Neither one of them can play a lick of defense. Man, this was entertaining, but got way, way, way off the rails in ways that you and I probably didn't think were possible. You know, the, the, the weirdest thing that I'm thinking about this game, Mike, is... I don't know what I learned about either team here, right? Like, we kind of knew that Louisville's pretty good at offense, not so good at defense right now. Wake Forest, really good at offense, really not good at defense. Like, that in and of itself is largely what manifested itself in this game, right? It was just two teams going back and forth. It was a shootout. I mean... The only reason I think that, that Louisville had significantly fewer yards and plays on offense, which, by the way, keep in mind, Wake Forest had more than 30 more plays than they ran on offense in this game. But so much of that is that, again, Louisville had a couple of short fields off of turnovers, and they had a, a kickoff return for a touchdown in this game, right? So it's not like all 62 of those points was purely generated by the offense, but at the same time, it's not like either team really got lucky or unlucky or any of that. I mean, this is just maybe a bit of a magnified version of what we thought this was actually going to be, but these teams kind of are what they are. Um, Wake Forest, again, I mean, they're not like wildly talented. They're not, they're not going to beat anybody off of talent alone, but at the same time, I mean, they're well coached. I mean, they're going to score some points on offense and all this stuff, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know if I learned anything, really, realistically. I don't know if I learned anything here. I think this is just kind of, on a certain level, a little bit of what we expected from these teams, Mike. I learned something. What'd you learn? Louisville's going to make a bowl game. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Louisville, uh, yeah, Louisville's making a bowl game here, I think. Now, you say that. Let's quick, quick look at the schedule. Clemson at home. That's a loss. Nope. You need, okay, so then that point, you need two wins. But, 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 wait, 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 mm-hmm. wait. Real quick on Clemson. That's like a pretty big measuring stick game for Louisville, though, to see kind of where they're actually at, right? Like, mm. defensively, it could be pretty ugly. I just want to see, like, offensively what that looks like. Uh, okay, all right. Offensively, I want to see what it looks like. My biggest problem is, my biggest problem here is that I think we, you know, we're adults here, and we can have an adult conversation, and we can agree that, you know, I, I, I'm not going to try to go out too far on the limb here, but I I think Clemson is probably the best team in the ACC right now. Mike, is, I think. That, is that fair? I think so. Okay, I think that's fair. All right. If you don't, if you disagree, at FRS Joey on Twitter, that's, you can find me. Let me know. Georgia Tech's given. I mean, Georgia Tech's given them a run for their money. Yeah. Hey, they scored another twenty some points in this game this week against Duke. You know, mostly in garbage time. So that's look, they're coming for you. Um. Okay, but who's the second best team in the ACC? That's that's not a rhetorical question. Who is I? I don't know. Could be. I, 
Could it be Louisville at this point? <laughs> it might be. I mean, it demo could, could be. be. Could be. I don't know. Could North be. Carolina? Still might. Could be Wake. Could be North Carolina. Could be. Maybe could be Miami in a weird way. UVA? Could be Virginia. Could be Duke. I don't know. Like there is such a drastic fall off to then a what again? It's a demolition derby of about twelve teams in the middle that it it kind of feels like every single week you flip a coin and you don't know who's going to win on any given game. But long story short, I guess you could call Clemson against Louisville a measuring stick of sorts, but. I, again, I don't know how much that tells us about anything. And, and in a way, I'm really curious to see really at all what do we learn about any of these teams moving forward because it, it kind of seems pretty clear what everybody is at this point, uh, for better or worse, and mostly for worse. What I mean by measuring stick specific to Louisville is their offense seems to be making steady steps towards improvement. Now go do yeah. it against a real defense. Do it against a real defense because we haven't seen it against a real defense yet. Yeah. Right? Like, do it against a real defense. Like, it looked okay in week one to get. I mean, Notre Dame's probably a top five or six defense in the country. We'd probably agree, right? Like, a very, very good defense. Sure. They, so, Louisville scored on them in the opener. Mm-hmm. And then they've gotten much better since then. And, and really, in the opener, it was like the first half. Notre Dame shut them down the second half. Mm-hmm. But they've made steady improvement since then. Clemson's the first real defense they've played since then, since the opener, where it's like, oh, okay, let's see what this offense looks like with whoever it ends up being. Cunningham, Conley, maybe Juwan Pass is lurking. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, let's see what it looks like. That's all I mean, what I mean by that. Like, Clemson's mm-hmm. going to win going away. We'll get into that in the preview, whatever. It's going to be a blowout. I just want to see what Louisville's offense looks like to see if this offensive success is real or not or if it's just taking place against some really really terrible teams that's all i wanted to see really sure um proof of concept for scott satterfield early line is clemson minus 24 in that game by the way so that's in and that's in louisville for what that's worth um feels like okay but here's the, here's the long and short of it they got to go two and three over the final five games if we assume a loss to virginia right or a loss to clemson final five games virginia at home probably winnable at Miami, probably winnable. At NC State, pretty definitely winnable. Syracuse at home, definitely winnable. At Kentucky, definitely winnable. Yep. Like, you, you don't even have to have good luck to make a bowl game at this point. Like, Louisville, the way they have set themselves up here is unbelievable. And, and again, if they make a bowl game and Scott Satterfield is not the ACC coach of the year... I'm going to start a riot somewhere because that is going to be a big freaking problem. Yeah. Who are you giving it to then? Dabo again? Like what do you, no offense. I mean, no offense. I mean, Clemson's good, right? And they're probably going to make the playoff and all that stuff. But like, come on now. Yeah, it's boring. Come on now. It's boring. Anyway. Yeah. That's all I got in this game. Louisville, 62. Wake Forest, 59. In the uh, ACC shootout of the year. Uh, speaking of Dabo, let's just go there. Clemson 45, Florida State 14. This game, not nearly what we thought it was going to be. Um, put it this way, Mike. Clemson back. Uh, we thought they could be after a bye, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they, they came out of the bye week, shot out of a cannon here. They were ready to roll. Yeah, um... Joey, they're they're bad with the vengeance. They're, mm-hmm. they're real back. Um, they score on their first possession of the game. Uh, they then score late in the first quarter on a Trevor Lawrence touchdown run. Oh, by the way, Joey, uh, 
Dabo hated talking about this because everybody was like, oh, Trevor Lawrence, he looks a little bit off. What's going on? Is he not healthy? Uh, Joey, Trevor Lawrence, real healthy. He's healthy. He's good. He's he's good. Yeah, I think he's good to go. Um, Justin Ross, touchdown catch in the second quarter. Justin Roth, yep. their touchdown catch in the second quarter. Oh, uh, third quarter, Amari Rogers, 29-yard touchdown run. Uh, Darion Kendrick, 36-yard interception return. Um, okay, awesome. There is nine minutes to go in the third quarter. Clemson, 42. Florida State, nothing. The game is over, and Clemson is covering, Joey. Wow. Just, wow. Um, yeah. Clemson just came out and Bounce just back. sat on Florida State in this game. Um, Bounce back. So, welcome back to Clemson minus anything territory. Speaking of the upcoming Louisville game. Um, yeah. This was the, the Clemson, you know, War Machine Clemson is back. Uh, it sounds like they tasted their own blood against North Carolina, and they spent a bye week kind of uh, getting their act together and, and making sure they, they cleaned up a couple things, and they are back with a vengeance. Um, Travis Etienne was back with a, in a, you know, as a force in this game, 17 carries for 127. Um, they forced a bunch of turnovers. There were three picks between Alex Hornibrook and James Blackman, which, yes, there was a quarterback change in this game. No, it didn't really help anything. Um, Florida State really could not accomplish much of freaking anything on offense here. Um, Clemson's defense just smothers them for the entire first half and for most of the second half. Um, I, I thought that Florida State was going to be able to score on Clemson's backups, and to some degree that was right. But at the same time, I mean, they scored a couple times in like five or six drives against Clemson's backups. So I, I was only a little bit right. And, you know, that didn't, it didn't take much for Clemson to cover here. Yeah, Clemson takes away Florida State's lone offensive weapon that's it's reliable and consistent in Cam Akers. He had nine carries for 34 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, Clemson went with that good old game plan of make Florida State beat you with the passing game, which I'll tell you what, if you have James Blackman and Alex Hornibrook as your quarterbacks, you probably don't have any quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. That's where we're at with Florida State's passing game at the moment, at least against elite teams like Clemson. So might be okay for Florida State. They had started to play a little bit better coming into this Clemson game, and then they got absolutely obliterated against a good team. Uh, sorry, an elite team. Let's not mm-hmm. undersell Clemson here. The elite uh, team, the only elite team in the ACC. The, the only elite team in the ACC and one of the handful in the country, right? Mm-hmm. Um I actually, I tweeted out late Saturday night after all the games ended. I said, you know, I didn't get a chance to give my thoughts on the ACC from today. I said, we're probably two or three weeks away from like full on War Machine Clemson. And maybe that was a little bit of an understatement mm-hmm. because War Machine Clemson might be like real back right now. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's where it's at. I, I think Florida State will be okay. I think they'll play okay the rest of the year, but they are nowhere close to competing with a team as good as Clemson right now, which is. Really, as a Florida State fan, all you need to see in regards to Willie Taggart and his longevity and all the other questions that arise with how Florida State has played recently, which is a lot better, it really just goes to show how far away they are from competing with the team as good as Clemson. Uh, Mike, uh, I've got breaking news here. Yeah. Clemson's the best team in the ACC. I think, I think that's... The- to be fair, yeah, best team in the ACC. That's an idea I think I can get behind. Yeah, it seems like a fact. Uh, yeah. Florida State had the ball for barely over 20 minutes of this game. Like, you know you're getting blown the hell out when 
you give up over twice the yardage and you barely have the ball for 20 minutes in the whole. I mean, this was just a total train wreck for Florida State from start to finish. Uh, Clemson is back. They're back. They're going to win the ACC in all likelihood unless some, you know, meteor comes down and strikes in the middle of a game they're playing or something like that. So uh, that's what you need to know here. That's all I got. I think the second best team in the ACC um, right now would mm-hmm. be Clemson's backups. I can dig it. Oh, yeah. Might be. Uh, <laughs> what a bad ACC this is. Yeah. I this is this is where I, I start diving into like how did we get here? And anytime I start thinking about that, I just again the tires are spinning, Mike, and they they're just not getting anywhere. We're just spitting mud all over the place. So I'll let you know when I figure something out. You want to talk about two really, really bad teams? Clemson 45, Florida State 14. Let's talk about a couple bad teams, Mike. Uh, NC State 16, Syracuse 10. Speaking of a couple of real bad teams. um, Oh, yeah. This is a game, Mike, that I just, as much as I felt like Syracuse's defense isn't very good, and I don't know necessarily that NC State's offense is very good, I'm coming to an epiphany. I don't think either of these teams is really any good at all, and I think you're probably coming to the same conclusion. I am. So you asked me to find two of the best teams in the ACC, right? Mm-hmm. Clemson, and then insert Team B here, right? Like, who is that team? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that answer off the top of my head, Joey, but I think I found two of the worst. Mm-hmm. I think I found two of the worst. Like, we know Georgia Tech's really bad, but then it's a guessing game, right? Mm-hmm. And I watch. I, I did not watch this game live Thursday night. I was at the Patriots game in Foxborough, so I did not watch this NC State-Syracuse game live, full disclosure. I did re-watch it, though, and I can confidently say I think NC State's the worst foreign te- two team in the country, Joey. I think they're worse than Virginia Tech, believe it or not. That's mm-hmm. where I'm at with NC State. This is a bad offensive team. This is a bad defensive team. Um. It took them 34 carries offensively to get 104 yards. That is not great. Uh, Bailey Hawkman is better than Matthew McKay, but, you know, not that much better. 16 and 27, it's fine. 205 and an interception. Had an 18.5 QBR against one of the worst defenses in the country in Syracuse. Uh, Tommy DeVito throws for 300 yards and a touchdown in this game. Syracuse scores 10 points with Tommy DeVito going for 300 yards. You want to know why that happened, Joey? Why is that? Because Syracuse, speaking of teams who can't run the ball, Syracuse, 37 carries for 41 yards. Ew. Not good. Ew. Really bad, actually. Um, Syracuse first half drive chart, by the way. Three and out, three and out, three and out, five plays punt, eight plays punt, eight plays punt, five plays turnover run bounce. That's it. That's all. That, that's where the drive all ended. Uh, there were no points there. Hello, second half offense for Syracuse. Wasn't there something, Mike, about Dino Babers being like some offensive genius or something or other? Didn't they used to score like a, a boatload of points? Whatever happened to that? It goes to show you that Coaching is a function of players fitting the scheme that you have. Syracuse has a issue with that right now. And Dino Babers 
once a really hot name to go elsewhere is no longer a hot name to go elsewhere. Joey, a la Justin Fuente of Virginia Tech, mm-hmm. who was in play at Tennessee and was in play at Florida State and was in play all these places. And then all of a sudden you have a couple struggles offensively and all of a sudden you're not a hot name out there either. So life comes at you fast, Joey, here in the ACC. And three losses at Maryland, against Clemson at home, and at NC State. Syracuse running the ball. 29 carries for 70 yards, 42 carries for 15 yards, 37 carries for 41 yards. They've run the ball like 100 times for like 150 yards at best in the three yep. losses they've had. Like, you want to talk about a, like a, the, the weakness of this offense right here? That's it. Syracuse can't run the ball to save their lives. They couldn't yeah. run their way out of a wet paper bag, Mike. Yeah. I, you know, there's an old saying in the ACC that I just made up right now. Um, you find yourself a bad rushing offense, I'll show you one that's worse. <laughs> it's an old adage. Um, I think we found it. Hey, you think Virginia Tech can't run the ball? Oh, I'll raise you UVA. Oh, you think UVA can't run the ball? Oh. I'll race through Georgia Tech. Oh, you think Georgia Tech can't run the ball anymore? Oh, look at what Syracuse is doing over here. Uh, I don't know which one of these teams is worse, Mike, NC State or Syracuse. I mean, I guess technically Syracuse, although NC State's at home and they win by six, scoring the better part of 20 points. So, yuck. I got nothing to Joey, I have a little bit of a hot take here. Well, Mm -hmm. not really a hot take as much as a question for you. Mm -hmm. Um... NC State is four and two. Mm-hmm. They have games remaining at Boston College. Also probably bad, by the way. Shrug. Um, at at Wake Forest. Shrug. Home against Clemson. Loss. Home against Louisville. Shrug. At Georgia Tech. Probably a win. Home against UNC. Loss. Does NC State make a bowl game? Yes, but I feel like that bet is like at minus one twenty right now. Like, and and they better and they better win this weekend. By they, the way, they damn well they better. better yeah, like, you better go to be Chestnut Hill and win that game. Yep, you got to beat BC because otherwise, like, you got to steal one against UNC or steal one against Louisville, which is looking harder and harder, mm-hmm. or go on the road to Wake with. Uh, Wake's got a great offense, NC State. <laughs> Probably not. And uh, War Machine Clemson in a few weeks? Yeah. I mean, those last you look at those last five games, at Wake versus Clemson versus Louisville, at Georgia Tech on the Thursday, by the way, home against UNC. Four of those five teams, I've definitely got the warm fuzzies about way more than I've got about NC State right now. So, yeah, you need two more wins. One of them should really, really be at Boston College this weekend. And, and Boston College probably not a total pushover. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Better get it done now. Yes. The, uh, the window's closing here, as you say. You could miss bowl game. Get it together. We've talked about the whole ACC uh, singularity, Mike, where everybody goes 4-4 four and four in division, right? And that's a, a discussion. Is there like a mathematical chance that like half the ACC could go five and seven? 
I have no idea, but we gotta figure that out quick. Yeah, we might be approaching that territory. NC State 16, Syracuse 10. Let's move on. Uh, Duke 41, Georgia Tech 23. This game went basically as expected, with the exception of the fact that Georgia Tech scored on their opening drive. That's apparently a thing now, is Georgia Tech starts with the ball and scores. They don't wait like half of a game to do that. Uh, Duke responded by ripping off 38 straight points after that, and that was it. Um, this game was the entire second half of a game against Duke was played in garbage time for Georgia Tech. So if that's what you know, if you want to know where the, where we're at right now, that's uh, that's what we got. Yeah. So I I was doing something, wasn't really paying attention to this game. Um, Same. Out with my family in Boston. Same. Uh, wasn't paying much attention to this. I see Georgia Tech takes a seven nothing lead on a scoring alert on my phone, and I'm like, okay, that could maybe go not as I thought it. Right? I was mm-hmm. like, damn, scoring early. Maybe they found an offense. You never know. Oh, man. I turned around about eh, an hour or so later. Duke 38, Georgia Texan with three minutes to go in the first half. Oh, okay. It's going exactly as I thought it would. Mm-hmm. Um, albeit with maybe a little bit more offense. This was ugly in a hurry for Georgia Tech. Um, obviously, off. It didn't look very good. Defensively, it looked worse. Um, just not a very good showing of, of defensively for the Jackets. We talked about how Georgia Tech's defense has looked better. Um, and over not really been the problem for them throughout much of this year. Uh, when they really couldn't get a stop at all. This was really, really ugly for Georgia Tech. Uh, for Duke, offensively, uh, you know, I'd love to say it was this you know, beautiful showing through the air by Quentin Harris. I mean, it wasn't. He was 11 of 20 for 176, which is a weird stat line. Um, Duke ran the ball okay. It took them 55 carries for 197 yards and four touchdowns on the ground as a team. Uh, But overall, they just kind of suffocated Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech scores some garbage time points, and that's how we get to 41-23. Cover by a half point, Joey. Covered by a half point. Yeah, and, and realistically, that actually wasn't even from Duke's doing. That was because Georgia Tech, on their very last touchdown, they went for two and they missed it. If you kick the extra point, that's covered town, but you didn't. And so I actually got a pick right this week, Mike. How about that? There you go. Pick of the week was, of course, correct with Louisville Wake Forest going over. But this is the only pick against the spread that we made on the preview that I got right. It was because Georgia Tech went for two and missed it there late in the game. Um yeah, just I mean another just another day in the life, Georgia Tech fan. Ultimately, um, Duke does basically all their damage in the first half. Again, they they only scored three points in the second half, um, but by that time, I mean there was so much done. Duke's drive chart in the first half: field goal, touchdown, 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 punt block for a touchdown. End of half. So you could call that efficient, yep. I guess. Yep, that'll work. That will actually play. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you can you can win with that clearly. Um, James Graham, Georgia Tech, fifteen to thirty-five for two oh six and a touchdown. Uh, not quite a full six yards per attempt. That ain't gonna work. Um, this Georgia Tech passing game continues to be an adventure. That's putting it nicely. Uh, that that's putting it nicely. Um, yeah, this Georgia is very good. They got to figure that thing out heading in next year. I'm mm-hmm. talking about that halfway through a year of Collins. Like they got to figure out the 
God, it's not good. Yeah. Um, the offense at this point seems clearly like it's a, a – in a way, it's like a non-priority this year, maybe we call it. Um, I just – it's – there's been some improvement. Let me put it – let me say that at the very least. Like, there is definite improvement over what we were seeing like a month ago. It is, it is better. It's more cohesive, all this. The coaches might argue that it has nothing to do with picking a single quarterback and riding with him. I would probably disagree with that, but that's just me. Um, but there, there's that part of it. I think the, the play calling is getting a little bit better. It's a little more conducive. So you're seeing some improvement on that side of the ball. I think Georgia Tech's defense, especially the front front four-ish, maybe the front seven a little bit, is really starting to get really exposed. Um, their front four is just not not conducive to competing in any meaningful way at an ACC level right now. Um and it's, it's a lot of youth. There's, it's not, you know, there's maybe some talent element to it, but there's definitely a major youth element to it. And um, I, you figure that probably gets better next year as a whole bunch of freshmen and sophomores become sophomores and juniors. So I think there's hope. There's there's some positivity, but just don't plan on it being this year. And start thinking about 2020, but also recognize that the schedule in 2020, once again, is ridiculous and brutal um and so it might be 2021 before we're actually talking about a ball game again for uh my yellow jackets don't tell the georgia tech fans that though they need to hear it mike they need to hear it it's the truth oh yeah they can't Uh, handle the truth something something. a a fan base with uh a fan base with no patience (laughs) man I've never seen one of those before. What a transition. Duke 41, Georgia Tech 23. Last one, Mike. Your Virginia Tech Hokies 34, Rhode Island 17. Uh, Virginia Tech won this game by three more points than they beat Old Dominion by. Yes. Uh, Turns out they played down to their competition, right? (laughs) All reliable, Virginia Tech. All reliable. Um, all right, Joey, let's talk about some pros. Number one, Virginia Tech has a two-game winning streak. They are now 4-2 and two on the season. That's good. Uh, they are now 2-0 and oh with Hendon Hooker at quarterback. Also good. Um, they have kind of found a running game a little bit last few weeks, which could be a function of who they're playing. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I think it's that. I, I disagree with the running game thing. Uh, okay, that's totally fine. That's... <laughs> Whatever. I'll take what I can get. They had they averaged five point six yards per carry in this game, had a touchdown. Deshaun McLeese, good game, twelve for one twenty four and a touchdown. Hendon Hooker, sixteen of twenty seven, two sixty one and three touchdowns. Put the ball in his hands some more. That seems like a really good idea. Um also follow up. He probably should have been starting all along. So um start you start him against way. Yeah. Uh you start him against BC, you're probably five and one. I have no explanation for losing by thirty five at home to Duke, so um <laughs> if you want an explanation for me on that, ask me three weeks ago. I didn't have one then either. We're saying Hendon Hooker probably not thirty five points better than Ryan Wells in that game. Right. Um but it's probably seven to ten points better than Boston College in the opener. So All right. Uh Let's draw the line in the sand there. Um, Rhode Island made this semi-interesting because Isaiah Coulter, their wide receiver, I don't want to oversimplify things here, but Isaiah Coulter at receiver had like the game of his life. Um, nine catches for 152 yards for a Rhode Island offense, Joey. That, by the way, like they're okay, right? Like mm-hmm. they're just okay. Um, Isaiah Coulter, 152 yards receiving. 
he actually was targeted by Reggie Floyd, Virginia Tech's starting safety in this game. Uh, that was in the fourth quarter. Now Reggie Floyd is missing the first half against North Carolina. Joey, that is significant for the preview. So let's bookmark that one uh, because Virginia Tech is going to get a little bit young in the secondary in the first half against North Carolina against a good passing team. So bookmark that one uh, as Virginia Tech enters their most important game of the season. Noted. Uh, Virginia Tech, uh, this did not look quite as bad as Furman and Old Dominion when they let Rhode Island back into this game. It wasn't like, okay, Virginia Tech better get their shit together or they're going to lose. It didn't really feel that way to me. Uh, This felt more like a team that got a little bit bored in the third quarter and then they were like, oh, okay, let's get it back together. They put their foot back on the gas and away they went. now, depending on how you look at the state of the Virginia Tech football program right now, you may look at that a different way. Um, but just me not watching the game live. Now, now, full disclosure, didn't watch the game live, watch this game, obviously knowing what the result was. So maybe I'm coloring the picture a little bit differently than those of you who watch the game live and in real time because I had the benefit of knowing what the result was. But when looking at this game, it, it just didn't really seem like Virginia Tech was in a position where they were like, going to ever lose this game um now Furman looked a little bit different it was like man if Virginia Tech doesn't score a couple touchdowns here they're going to lose to Furman and Old Dominion you know they had a fumble there and a couple fumbles there in the second half you're like oh man they're letting a decent lower level FBS team back into this game like they could lose this game uh it didn't really feel that way against Rhode Island it just felt like the offense sputtered a little bit which has been a trend so keep an eye on that uh, but then put their foot back on the gas and kind of pulled away there in the, in the second half. Um, I think it's fine. Like, I think Virginia Tech is still trending in a good direction since the quarterback change, and they're not turning the football over, more importantly. Uh, they didn't force any turnovers on Saturday against Rhode Island, but they also didn't turn the football over to Rhode Island, which is significant. Virginia Tech's going to have to continue to do that going to North Carolina game. North Carolina is the third worst team in the conference in regards to turning the football over, right? So um, defensively, might I add. So North Carolina isn't a team that's going to force a lot of turnovers on you if you're Virginia Tech. So just don't shoot yourself in the foot. And at home, you should have a pretty good chance to win against a North Carolina team that's looked pretty good. Um, So, hey, this is a big turning point game for Virginia Tech coming up. Maybe a little bit of a look-ahead spot going into the North Carolina game, also coming off of that big Miami win. But Virginia Tech's 4-2, and two, big game coming up. Um, but there's still some things they do need to clean up. I guess so. I guess the biggest thing you have to take solace in if you're a Virginia Tech fan here, and, and again, we talked in the preview about how this felt like it should have been a bigger win for the Hokies. The nice thing here, in a way, is that the offense only had the ball eight times in this game, realistically. If you throw out the last two-play, end-of-game drive, you know, the very end of the fourth quarter, the offense had the ball eight times. In those eight drives, they went field goal, touchdown, touchdown, turnover and, uh, turnover and downs at the end of the first half. Touchdown, touchdown, three and out, field goal. Right? Like, six of eight drives they're scoring on. Like, that's a good thing. And four of those six scores were touchdowns. Like, you can't... As for a ton more of that, I think the biggest issue is going to continue to be the defense here, right? The fact that they let Rhode Island draw out drives and and, and come up with scoring drives as much as they did, right? Like, that's that's going to continue to be the, score, the, uh, the issue here. And, and my issue will always continue to be, Mike, as we have discussed countless times, we go back to the Virginia Tech run-pass balance report. 
It was fine, Joey. Hennon Hooker, 27, rush, or 27 passing attempts. Virginia Tech, 40 rushing attempts. For a team that is better throwing the ball than they are rushing the ball. That's all I'm saying, Mike. That's all I'm saying. It was fine. This time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this time. Hennon Hooker, 15 carries for not, 43 yards. That's not, all I'm saying. Not most, not, not most times, but this time it was fine. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's always going to be fun when you win a game by 17 points, but considering it was a 1-5 Rhode Island team, come on. Come on! They average six yards a carry, almost, so that's... Against an that's FCS good. team that's they needed to do that. and they won! They needed to do that. They needed to do that, Joey. Joey, uh, they couldn't do that against Sherman. They couldn't do it against Old Dominion. Like, they needed to do that. Like, seriously, they really needed to do that, running the ball. Like, they haven't done that in a while. They needed it. I've harped time and time again on how bad this rushing offense is. You know what I think of this rushing offense, Joey. Like, this is a really bad rushing team, right? Like, the team's not very right. good running the ball. Let's, let's do this. Let's let's agree to disagree. If you want to feel good about this, you can. Don't hate me for not feeling good about it. How about that? I mean, they can, <laughs> average almost six yards per carry. There's nothing not to like there. For Quality a power five team against Rhode Island. Quality of opponent be damned, Joey. They Ugh. couldn't do this against Furman. They couldn't do this against Old Dominion. They finally did it against Rhode Island. All a right. really bad Rhode Island team, but they did it. This is a bad rushing team. <laughs> you take the victories where you can. I know like, it doesn't mean a whole lot in the grand scheme. I know that, but it's important. They needed that. You're a Notre Dame guy. This is like conference. Rudy scoring a touchdown late in the game or whatever it was. <laughs> He was offsides, by the way. Shut up. <laughs> God. Uh, Whatever. Virginia Tech 34, Rhode Island 17. That's all I got, Mike. Anything else in week let seven? Down, like a couple let words down, here? look ahead. Let down, look ahead sandwich. <laughs> I will not let this go. Okay. All right. Okay. I'll let it go. I don't. Hokies. Tech sucks, dude. Hokies. Like this <laughs> Hokies 34, what is the Rams 17 or whatever? Anyways. I don't think the team's very good, but whatever. Yeah. Maybe they beat North Carolina and changed my mind. They needed this, Mike. Remember, they needed this. Virginia Tech football 2019. Go, go ACC moment of the week for week seven. Uh, Florida State comes out at halftime against Clemson. They get the ball. They're down 28 nothing. They got a chance to turn the tide here. Uh, my first four drives they have out of halftime. How it went? How'd it go, Joey? Three and out. Pick six. One play fumble. Three and out. That's how the lead go up to 42 and out. Uh, Florida State came out fired up and almost got worse in a way. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> go ACC to that. <sighs> Woof. Talking about the Knolls, Mike. Talking about the Knolls. Uh, Brandon McWhorter Memorial. You tried a word for week seven. Uh, that would be your Virginia Cavaliers in a red zone, Mike. Finishing drives in general. No, it wasn't good. No, it went so poorly. Like, you, you could almost not have drawn it up to go more poorly than it went for Virginia in this game. I mean, it, it made me wonder if some of the play calls that they were sending in to Bryce Perkins would even work on air. <laughs> like, that's yeah. how bad it got. 
I, yeah, R- running the passing skeleton or whatever. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, Virginia kicking field goals from inside the five yard line after losing yards and all this, and then Joe Reed setting him up with field position that you almost couldn't draw up a whole lot better. They gain no yards and kick a field goal like. After a Miami score, by the way, right? Like yeah. Miami scores, Joe Reed sets him up to swing the momentum back, and then Virginia promptly shoots themselves in the foot. It makes me wonder if this offense was going to work on like a Tuesday afternoon when they're playing against air and shells. Ugh. It was bad. Yeah. So you tried, Virginia. You tried to finish drives. And, you know, we'll try again next time. How about that? Uh, ACC play of the week. Mike, there, you know, normally I don't like to – nominate guys who played for losing teams for this award. But my gosh, Sage Surratt, 12 catches, 196, and three scores. I, drives a hard bargain there. Yeah, he's going to have to be the uh, the player of the week. Uh, 16.3 yards per catch and three scores, that'll do. Um, mm-hmm. Christian Beal-Smith, too, his teammate, his was brother. phenomenal. He was. Uh, Wake Forest offense, really good. So mm-hmm. maybe they get the player of the week. I don't know. Um, hey, Joey, fun fact about Sage Surratt, his brother plays linebacker at North Carolina. Uh, he sure does. So Almost one player of the week a couple weeks ago. Yeah, just in case you forgot about Chaz Surratt, who we talk about all the time. Yeah, that, that's true. I, I did not realize those guys were brothers until earlier this year. So good reminder. Right now. All right, well, we'll say Sage. Sage got it. That's fine. That'll work. All right, last one. Team of the week, Louisville. It's got to be Louisville. Mike. Has to be. Has to be. Knock off a ranked team on the road. You score 62 points doing it. You basically hit the over by yourself. With the third-string quarterback. quarterback. Yeah, not even the stringer. Um, yeah, I mean, Scott Sauerfield's 4-2. and two. He's in the lead to be the coach of the year in the conference and Louisville is in the driver's seat to make a bowl game. And uh, Louisville might also be the second best team in the ACC right now. So could be, that's where we're at. I feel pretty good. I wasn't, I feel pretty good about them being like one of the four or five best teams in the ACC right now. At least there's some consistency coming out of the cards. Yep. I don't want to be prison. Yeah, I don't want to be necessarily a prisoner at the moment. Like, they got Wake Forest, but, I mean, Wake Forest might not lose again, too. Like, Sure. Yeah, that's possible. So, that's on the table. Like, Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, Wake Forest plays Clemson, so I guess they'll lose that. But outside, <laughs> outside that game. Um, Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Like, yeah. Oh, did I just shoot my shot call Wake Forest upset? <laughs> um, I didn't, by the way. So. Yeah, not wise. Um, all right. Mike, I think that's all I got on week seven. Anything else? Wow, that was an interesting interesting week. Uh, yeah, week eight coming up has all 14 ACC teams in action. Against so. each other. Just straight up Against seven conference teams. No Notre Dame. So. Yeah, so that'll be fun. Um, so, yeah, we're going to come back and preview that. Um Lots of uh, you've got a couple of other newsy updates we'll have to hit with that. As a couple of teams that didn't play this week, we've got some news on some guys that is very significant for kind of how the rest of the season goes. So we'll uh, we'll get to that here on the, the preview show in a couple of days. Um, 
So we are going to come back and do that, but in the meantime, you guys can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike Daniel CFB, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. Uh, y'all can send us an email with your questions, your comments, your concerns to the longest email address known to man, basketballcamerspodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, the Overcast app. Spotify, wherever fine podcasts are sold for free. Uh, specifically, you can find us on the Anchor app. And uh, Mike, you want to tell me they can find us on the social medias? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of your podcasts there, Joey. Please do. Please do. We really appreciate those who have. Um, and, and help share us with your friends. We really appreciate those who uh, bring more members into the basketball conference podcast family. So uh, share us with your friends. You've got them. You've got them. Come on. You're cool. We know. You've got them for sure. Yeah. Do that. Mike, that's all I got. Anything else we got here? On to week eight. On to week eight. You want to come back and preview those games? Yes, sir. Let's do it. All right. Well, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon. And until next time, go ACC. Go ACC.